Hi, this is Anna, and this is Check It at the Roundtable, where we discuss movies, books, music, and stuff. Today, we are discussing Shadowhunters by Freeform. This series is available on Netflix, at least in Asian countries. I'm not sure about in the U.S. I use um, Shark, Surfshark VPN, so I can watch anything I want and just say I'm in the U.S. or say I'm in Asia. It doesn't matter, and it lets me watch. I tried Proton VPN. It doesn't let me on Amazon with Proton VPN, so I switched to Surfshark just because it was cheaper than Nord VPN. And one of my students said Nord VPN kicks him off when he's trying to watch a baseball game where he lives in Boston because of TV blackouts there that don't allow you to watch certain things if you're in that area. So I'm glad I didn't buy NordVPN, and it's half the cost for Surfshark. They have an 82% off deal right now. You can go to their website, check it out. I'm not getting paid by them. I'm just saying it's been split the first this week. So if you haven't seen it, you definitely should have if you need a VPN. So Shadowhunters by Freeform. Okay. I will admit that Shadowhunters is kind of like most of my favorite films and series I have seen in my life. Let me go back to when I was 15 years old and Princess Diaries came out. And I saw the poster when I was like, I know I was 12 when I saw the poster for the first time. Yeah, okay, I'm telling my age now, but oh well. But anyway, I remember being in the mall. It was the week of my first monthly. I was feeling sicker than a dog. And I was like, who would want to watch that movie about a princess? That seems boring as heck. I was a weird 12-year-old, but I will admit, I was like, I'm into Lord of the Rings. I'm into, you know, action adventure. I did not think I would like Princess Diaries. Fast forward to being 15 years old in a movie store, and my mom was like, we'll buy one VHS. What do you want to get? And I'm like, oh, I can kind of bored. I guess I'll get this one. It looks somewhat interesting from the text on the back of the DVD. I watched that movie about 22 times in high school. I really liked Princess Diaries, but if you had asked me from looking at the outside in of Princess Diaries, I would have said that would not have been my show at all, but I'm a huge fan of Gary Maelstrom. When I was a kid, when I was eight years old, I loved Rotary Bride. I was a weird child, but that and While You Were Sleeping was some of my favorite movies growing up. Along with Mask of Zorro, Kessler and Catherine, Seta Jones, and Antonio Manderas. I'm like, those are my top three. I'm not sure I would let a kid watch Mask of Zorro because of the floating head in the jar. But I'm just saying it was, it was a cool movie other than the floating head in the jar. So anyway, <laughs> and the hand in the jar. Both were just disgusting. But anyway, moving on to less macabre things. So... On my YouTube feed about a year and a half ago, I got this Malik part one thing. And I was like, no offense, but who cares about a guy dressed in a shiny um, tuxedo with his hair poked straight up? I'm like, okay, I like BL drama. I like guy couples. Usually they're awesome, but I really don't see me liking one with this guy in this shiny outfit with his hair poked up and black nails. I'm like, that just looks a little too emo for my taste. I didn't realize at that time it was Magnus Bane. And I'm like, but I was bored this summer and I was trying to find something to do about in June when I was working on my self-care routine. I was like, well, there seems to be archery in this and killing demons, and that looks somewhat fun and more interesting than, like, Gilmore Girls, which really doesn't seem up my sleeve, although I don't know. I might really like Gilmore Girls somewhere down the road. But I'm like, I'll try it. It'll be okay. If it sucks, I will 
do something else here after a while. Well, I do have to say, I'm not a big fan of Shadowhunter series, but I absolutely love Magnus and Alec in that series. So, and you know, I was reading some other people on YouTube and they're like, we really wish they would have just made a show about Magnus and Alec. And I think the reason is, is to be honest, the villains in Shadowhunters are just a little stupid. I mean, no offense at all. It's like, I totally get there are some dads that would kill their children and there are some children that would kill their dads. And I do have to say like in the chance, in the example of Clary Frey, there's a really good reason why she ends up having to kill her father because he's trying to destroy the world. But I'm like, and her brother, because again, he's trying to destroy the world. But I'm like, it's really kind of overdramatic and out of proportion in my opinion. And also I'm, I'm a huge dislike person of Chase. I mean, I find his character absolutely repellent. I think the actor did a great job of promoting the repellency of Jace um, Herringdale, I think is his name. Anyway, so I'm like, you know, Clary and Jace, I just really couldn't get into in the first episodes, but I kept watching because I'm like, I do not like the wildness of Isabel Lightwood, but there is a part of her that I'm going, I love her ability to be dauntless and to just keep walking it when other people would not. I'm going, very few women could fight demons in five-inch heels, and she does a very good job of that. Like, that is impressive. I'm like, you know, there's something to say about that. Although I will say, I'm going, why would you go running off with a Sealy when you know that's not going to work out? I'm like, that's just not fair to you, and that's not fair to the Sealy, even though the Sealy isn't that great of a person. Healy, whatever you want to call them. So I'm like, that that did not trip my trigger. But the reason that I kept watching was I was like, Magnus and Alec are fantastical characters in that series. So Alec Lightwood is one of three children because there's Alec, Isabel, and Jace. And then Magnus is the High Warlock of Brooklyn. What you do not know the series from Shadowhunters is the fact that the High Warlock, I assume, was like a royal title that was voted on, kind of. But it's just what they claim themselves to be. And then they get money from the Nephilim because they're the High Warlock. And I find that pretty amusing. But anyway, I really liked how you rarely see couples in any kind of show that have equality. I think that's one of the things that I really dislike about modern television and really television for all time is that there's so few strong characters and strong characters that when they end up with someone, end up with someone who compliments them rather than is a weakness for them. Regardless of uh, sexual orientation, I'm talking heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. It's very hard to find that. It's like I was talking with one of my friends and I'm going, you know, I really like strong female characters like Turiel or Wonder Woman, but I really hate how oftentimes they kill off the male love interest like Killy. Okay, I'm not saying that would have worked out. I think it could have been a total disaster, but seriously. And then also with like Wonder Woman and I forgot the guy in the show's name. But anyway, I'm like, why do they always kill off the strong female characters' love interests? I find this very, very aggravating. It's like saying strong women 
cannot have a romantic relationship because they cannot have it all. They must have power or they must have love. I'm going, like heck. <laughs> Pardon my French, but I'm like, seriously, I think we can do better. So with Alec and Magnus, I think the thing that I really appreciated about their relationship is the mutual consideration that went into that relationship. I mean, yes, of course there is attraction. I mean, I think we can all honestly say Magnus really liked Alec's appearance, but we can also sit there and go, Magnus saw that he was more than just a pretty face, as he tells Alec once. And the fact that Alec would purposely go out of his way in front of his entire family at his wedding and choose Magnus over the socially acceptable option showed great courage. It's kind of like Magnus said later on, he's like, you will blow the very ground you stand on to make something right. I was at your wedding. I saw you do it. <laughs> I'm going, most people would never have the courage to do that. Now, there are parts of Alec that it was a little painful sometimes to watch because I'm going, I tend to be a female version of Alec Lightwood. That is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is also not necessarily a good thing sometimes because I'm going, I know what he's going to do. It is going to end up terrible because he cannot outthink this and he's an overthinker and overthinking is exhausting for those of us who do that. So I'm like, there were parts of Shadowhunters. I'm currently in the final, I think, season 3B. I don't know why we have season 3A and 3B, but the there were times I would sit there and go, oh, I just cannot watch Alec do this because I know exactly what he's going to do because I would do that. And I know this is going to end badly. It was like kind of watching someone go up to a cliff and get ready to fall off and you're going, oh God, yes. no offense. But that was kind of why I haven't quite finished the series because I know that Alec is going to break up with Magnus here in a little bit. And I'm like, I really don't want to watch that part quite yet because I know it works out in the end. I've watched the end. It works out quite nicely, but I'm do not like that uncomfortable little middle. So anyway, Magnus and Alec. In season one, we have the climax at the end with the wedding where Alec um, basically decides to, oh, oh, sorry. It's very hot where I am right now. So I'm like, I'm getting my face. But where Alec decides to choose Magnus, even though he's in front of all his family, which are shadow hunters and shadow hunters have never married a downworlder apparently it are never even dated a downworlder at least in a way that would be considered socially acceptable so alec deciding to go off and be with magnus causes quite mayhem with his family then we get to season two where alec and magnus go out on their first date <laughs> their first date goes very very badly i mean as first dates go, I'm going, first dates are usually not a very good thing for anyone. I was like, I'm, I'm guessing some people have very positive first dates, but my acquaintance who I've talked to about their first dates and me, myself, I'm going, first dates usually don't go well. It, it's just usually a disaster. So anyway, Alec and Magnus's first date is kind of a disaster. They go out to a bar. Um, Magnus orders his like cocktail. Alec orders a beer because Alec really doesn't drink that much. And um, 
he doesn't really like the beer, but he's trying to, you know, have this time with Magnus. Um, Magnus discovers along the way that Alec has never once dated anyone before. So Magnus, despite being like 400 to 800 years old, starts to panic. I find this kind of amusing because both, I have started reading the Mortal Instruments books, um, the Magnus Bang Chronicles. If you have not read them, you should go out and buy it from Amazon right now. The audio version is fantastic and absolutely hilarious. So if you haven't read those, you definitely should. But I'm reading the Magnus Bang Chronicles and the Red Scrolls of Magic Chronicles, not necessarily in order. I just pick them up when I have time and flip through your pages. But anyway, you find out in both the Magnus Bane Chronicles and also the Red Scrolls of Magic a little bit more of a backstory on Alec and Magnus than you get in the series. So in the book, we find out that somehow Alec was saved by Magnus. He then shows up within that week at Magnus's house and tells him that he would like to go out with Magnus. Now, this is very unusual in mortal instruments history because shadow hunters, Nephilim, do not date warlocks. It's just not done. And shadow hunters are usually not gay, or if they are, it is hushed up and not talked about. So Alec coming to Magnus, thanking him for saving his life, number one, that's huge. Nephilim don't really say thank you to chat to downworld just because they consider themselves of angelic blood and therefore downworlders are scum because they somehow have demon blood in them. I will say in Magnus's case, I'm going, warlocks have no say in the fact that they are part demon. Their mothers were molested and they happen to be the children of that. They cannot help that any more than anyone else can. So I really think you're egotism nephilim is really ill-founded but anyway a little tirade done so alec thanks magnus and asks him on a date now magnus agrees to the date but magnus has not had a very good recent history of relationships now magnus is 400 years old to 800 years old. I'm still a little confused because he always changes his age. He likes to make it older or younger depending on his whim for the day. But anyway, so Magnus agrees to go out after he kisses Alec because Alec said he can because he's like, well, I can fix that. I do like how Alec is like so very insular. And Magnus is so very outgoing. They kind of fill in each other's discrepancies. It's, it's like there is a wonderful, very short interview by Harry Shum Jr. on Magnus when he was first doing like the first episode. And I think that he, one of the reasons Harry Shum Jr. was able to really become that character so well, I mean, I have never seen hardly maybe a handful of actors pull off a character so very well as he did Magnus Bane. Because I was looking him up and I'm going, this is the same guy that was in Love Hard, which I really like Love Hard. That's one of the few romantic comedies that I found absolutely hilarious. And what's funny is I was talking to some of my Korean and Japanese students. And one of my Japanese students, who is a guy, he's like, Anna, I watched that movie like literally two to four times after you told me about it because that is so bloody hilarious. I'm going, 
it is because even though it's a romantic comedy, there is so much humor and honesty in the heart that it really makes you think about things and laugh at yourself and laugh at the story so well. But Harry Shun Jr. was in Love Heart. I'm going, no offense, but his character was not that well acted in in my personal opinion. No offense if Harry Shun Jr. is listening. You are a great actor. I'm just saying maybe you didn't have a lot to work with with Love Heart. But his character is not that great. I'm going, if you had told me that someone who played that character in Love Hard could play Magnus Bane in Freeform Shadowhunters, I would have been looking at you going, I would never have cast him as Magnus Bane because if I had been looking at Love Hard, I'd be going, he's not that good of an actor. I know he's saying his lines. I know he's remembering his lines, but he doesn't seem to really feel the character, which you don't really have a lot to feel with that character. I will be the first to grant, but I'm just going, I never would have projected he could be Magnus Bane, but in the interview he did about Magnus, he said, you know, the thing that I think we need to realize about Magnus is he's at least 400 years old. He's been around the block a lot. And he meets Alec, who he said, you know, this isn't really about being gay or being straight. He said, you know, in the book, they call him a free reeling bisexual. But he said, yes, Magnus is gregarious. Yes, he is very laissez-faire about a lot of things. But he said, I don't think it's fair to say that he is uncaring in his relationships because he said the one thing Magnus is good at both in the book and in the series is he is there with careful care. He may act like he doesn't care, but at the end of the day, he has tremendous care. And he said the reason that he thought, Harry Shum Jr. thought, he said, you know, that Alec really was attractive to him as a person was he said, it's not because Alec is a guy or Alec because Magnus is bisexual. He said, it's because Alec is a person who he sees great potential in and he also knows needs someone there to help him through what he's going through, even if it doesn't maybe work out with them as a relationship. He said, that is why Magnus, he said, in the end of the day, really likes Alec. And I'm going, that is it. That is what he saw as attractive about Alec because Alec is so painstakingly honest and he also has such a quality of wanting to be there for people but also he lacks the confidence that he needs and I think it's really interesting as the series progresses as you get to season two as you get to season three in Shadow Hunters, and also as you read the books because I think it's in uh, I forgot the book that Immortal Instruments where Alec and uh, Magnus get married. But anyway, it's later on in the series. But anyway, it's got a woman on the cover in a red dress. That maybe helps. I don't know. I'm like, I will buy that book eventually, but it's quite expensive, both in audio and um, Kindle format. So anyway, but with, with Alec, as he develops through the series, I think it's so cool to see how he goes from being this very young, somewhat awkward person who doesn't trust himself, doesn't trust his judgment. And yes, there's a part of him that also is having to deal with his sexuality and how that equates into his humanity. I totally get that. But it's not like we have this deep and probing coming out thing that we have in a lot of American girls. And I'm not against coming out at all. I think that's very important. But it's like I was talking with one of my Japanese students here about two months ago because we were reading a store, uh, an article on 
LGBTQI plus rights in Japan. And she said, you know, she said, I don't mean a bad Anna-san, but she's like, in America, people seem to be really into sexual orientation of people. And she said, in Japan, she said, I know that we lack some rights for LGBTQI plus. And she said, I'm totally for the rights. But she said, everyone I know who's LGBTQI plus in Japan, it's not like they had this big awakening or they really had this lots of like impenetrable things they had to go through to become who they are. She said, they just like their person. That person might be a guy and they're a guy. So they're a gay couple. But she said, it's not like anyone sits around and goes, I must come out about this. She said, I don't mean it bad, but she said, and maybe it's because she said, you know, she lives in Tokyo. But she said, people just don't really do that here. And I was like, you know, I spent five months in Taiwan. I loved it there. I wish I could go back. But, you know, China. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. I'm hoping it goes well. And it, I can go back to Taiwan sometime. But, and the Taiwan continues to have its peace and boba tea and everything works out well. But at the end of the day, when I was in Taiwan, the thing that I really noticed was Taiwan is one of the first countries that legalized gay marriage or that legalized same-sex marriage, however you want to look at it. And they recently, I think it was last year, came up with the legalization of same-sex marriage, regardless of what country you came from. Because before, you could only be married in Taiwan if your home country also approved um, same-sex marriage. So, like, if a couple from Thailand wanted to go get married in Taiwan, they could not do so because Thailand does not approve same-sex marriage yet. So, that was a little bit of a difficulty. Um, I do think Thailand is making steps to hopefully change that. There's been some alteration in the government, although the parliament still has not adjusted yet. So I'm not sure how that is all going to work out. And I'm not very political, so I try to stay out of that melee. But anyway, if you are from any country now in the world and you are a same-sex couple, you can go get married in Taiwan at a legal ceremony. So, but the thing that I noticed was in Taiwan, I saw several same-sex couples, but nobody really sits there and goes, oh, they're a same-sex couple. They just sit there and go, I was walking on the street one day, and I'm like, they're holding hands, they're walking down the street, everybody's just happy, everyone's, you know, doing their thing. I'm like, no one's really getting hyped up about this situation at all. In the U.S. still, I'm from the middle of the U.S., I'm like, people still act weird about homosexual couples. I remember I used to work in an office and one of my desk mates was a homosexual and he would sometimes come in and talk about his boyfriend and people would treat him weird. And I was like, I was just going, so-and-so is just so-and-so. How was your weekend? Do you have a nice time with your boyfriend? Were things good? I'm like, you know, why do we have trouble with this? Why don't we just, you know, treat them like everyone else? I mean, I don't go up to my you know, if someone's in the office and they're straight, I would just ask them, like, how was your week? Did you have a nice time with your husband or your wife or whatever? I'm going, why Why do we make a big deal out of things? I mean, I totally get that some people in conservative religions have trouble with homosexuals. I do understand that. Although I will say that there is some things and movements within those conservative groups to kind of try to create more understanding from what I understand to make people less antagonistic toward 
homosexuality, which I am a full proponent for. But as someone who grew up in conservative religion, and I don't even, I remember really getting going, you know, I don't think anything in these conservative religions tells us that we should hate somebody simply because of who they happen to love. And no, I don't think that they're going out of their way to defy God. I think they're just sitting there and going, I love my person, and my person happens to be of the same gender. And, you know, I'm going, we have so many things within those groups that we could be focusing on, like gossip is up there on the list too. I'm like, why don't we have a campaign against gossip? I'm going, that I could totally endorse. I mean, I don't see anyone being antagonistic against a campaign against gossip. I mean, we could level the playing field. We can say everyone who is against gossiping, say I. I'm going, I think that would be something we could all get behind regardless of our religion, regardless of our being conservative, being liberal. Everyone can agree gossiping is no fun for anyone. So anyway, I don't know. But at the end of the day, with Alec and Magnus, you get to see through the series, especially I think I really liked it in the first part of season two and also in the last part of season two. The reason being is in the first part of season two, you have a section where, and it might be in the last part of season one, like the last episode, I have to go back and check, where Alec by accident gets inhabited by a demon and kills Clary's mom. It's gruesome. It's terrible. And he's sitting there going, what in the heck did I do? I don't remember doing anything. And so he has to deal with the fact that he is grieving the loss of killing an innocent person who he didn't even mean to kill. It's just this demon came and it was from Valentine and yeah. But I really think that in many ways that provided a catalyst for Magnus and Alex's relationship because Magnus comes in and going, Magnus, he's been around the block. He's done a lot of things that he probably wishes he hadn't done. And he's also seen enough to go, I have grace for what I've been through. And, you know, we can deal with what you've been through. And I love how he goes up to Matt, to Alec, when Alec is literally bleeding on his hand because he's shooting off these arrows to try to just deal with the pain. He's like, you know what? You, you cannot cover up the pain in your heart and in your mind from what happened by hurting your hand. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help Clary. You don't know what to say to Clary right now. I totally get that. But you will find a way to figure out what you need to say to Clary because that is who you are. And Clary is not going to hate your guts because she knows that she just as easily could have done what you did if she was inhabited by a demon. So you need to be gracious to yourself. You need to take some time for yourself because if you keep on rushing, if you keep on doing all this, you're going to be exhausted and you're going to wonder what this is all worth. And it's during that time that they go out on their first date, which I'm circling the maggots on. I'm sorry, it's a ramble today. But anyway, so at their first date, Magnus finds out that Alec has never been in a relationship and he starts to panic. And I think it's kind of amusing because I'm going, it's kind of hilarious to see Magnus panic. I'm like, if Magnus is panicking, it's going, it's kind of neat that someone who's 20 can throw off a 400-year-old warlock. I'm going, that is impressive. But anyway, Magnus is sitting there going, um, um, and Alex like, you know, this is why I haven't been in a relationship because I've been worried that somebody would treat me weird because I haven't been in a relationship and I don't want to have this talk. And this is da-da-da-da-da. And Magnus is like, 
you know what? You are different. And that is not necessarily a bad thing, but this is something that we're going to have to try to work through. And he then goes back to Agnes's apartment and he's like, he's talking to Magnus and he's like, you know, maybe we're just too different. Maybe there's too many differences. You said there were 17 people. I don't know if that's 1,700, 17,000. God only knows what number that is since you've been alive so long in your life before. And I've never had anyone in my life before. And I don't see how this is going to work out. Maybe we're just too different. Maybe our histories are too different. I'm in my 20s, barely in my 20s. You're 400 some odd years old, or at least, you know, maybe we can't make this work. And, and Magnus is like, yeah, maybe we are too different. And at the end of the day, though, I really like how Alec, even though he's sitting there going, I cannot think through logically how to make this work. And I'm going, been there, done that. Not caught in a t-shirt, but maybe should have. Because I'm like, I totally get where Alec's head is at. He's sitting there going, I don't see how logically this is ever going to work. Because da 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 And then he goes up to Magnus and he's like, I love how he sits there and he's like, his his head is overwhelmed by his care. And he's like, I really, I don't care. I don't care if you've been with 1,700,000, whatever people, I don't care. I care about you. And I know that relationships take effort, but I think we should try this. And I love how, how Magnus just kind of sits there and he's like, I'm, I'm all for effort, Alec. I, I think that's a good thing. And then they try to ferment to grow it and Jace comes and crashes. I'm going, why is Jace coming to Magnus's for a spare room when he he has money he could go stay somewhere else i'm like what magnus his house is not like a, a bed and breakfast <laughs> i'm going seriously i i do not like jace so anyway but we have that that beginning but by the end of season two we've come to an impasse the reason is is the down world and the up world are at war and Magnus feels he has to choose the Seelie Queen side, and Alec feels that he has to choose the Nephilim field side, side. And Magnus feels like Alec has lied to him about having the mortal cup or the sword or whatever. I quite frankly forgot at this point. I think it was the sword. Now, I will say that was not necessary a lie because Alec literally just found out that day about the sword. So I really think that Magnus kind of blew that out of proportion. Now, I will say what you find out in the books about Magnus, it's not really about the sword. It's like one of my, when I was younger, I did a series of posts and also compiled a book with some other authors. There's basically interviews of designers, foodies, artists. And one of them told me when I was doing that interview, I was like, you know, that is gold for life because they said, you know, people will get angry about a sofa, which we agreed we would move, but it's not about the sofa because when they see it gone, they sit there and go, oh, that was my aunt's. She's dead. That sofa reminds me of my aunt. Now I'm mad. Now I'm upset. And she said, you know, it's not about the sofa. It's not about that item. It's about the emotions wrapped up in that item. And in the same way with Magnus, when he flies mad at Alec, now I will say even when Magnus and Alec are mad at each other, I think they do an excellent job because it's like it never once crosses either of their lips until the very last season when Alec breaks up with Magnus because he thinks it's the only way to get his magic back and all that. 
but it does not cross their minds to break up with each other. What happens is, and even when Magnus is madder than all, get out at Alec, he's not using like violence and force. Like when he gets home, he goes and incinerates a table. Okay, that's not a good plan. But he's not doing that in front of Alec. And I think in many ways, even though Magnus is acting like a petulant, angry person, the problem is not the sword. The problem is he feels like he, like Alec doesn't trust him. Like Alec, even though they're in a relationship, even though Alec might be spending almost every night at his apartment, there is a lack of trust. There's a lack of transparency, which doesn't match up with what Alec's words said. And that hacks Magnus off to the nth degree because dishonesty is not a trait that he has ever seen in Alec. And he doesn't like that because he's like, if we can't be honest with each other, then what do we really have in this relationship? It's like at the beginning of season two, when Magnus says to Alec, you know, there's always going to be things that get crazy, but when they do get crazy, don't push me away because you feel that that will better protect me or that that will make things better because it won't, it will just complicate things. So at the end of the day, Magnus sides with the Sealy Queen, even though he feels like he wants to be with Alec, and they apparently are on break. Now, it's not break like in Friends, where Ross goes out and sleeps with the first copy clerk that he finds. I mean, no offense, I tried to watch Friends this year because of all my Japanese students telling me I needed to, and I'm like, oh, that series is not my thing. But anyway, moving on. So at the end of the day, though, at the end of season two, they managed to sort out things, save the world, you name it. Um, the sword, which um, has gone missing, and Alec and Magnus end up at the bar together, and Alec's like, can we talk? And then he goes outside with, with Magnus, and he's going, you know, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the sword. I really am. I'm sorry that happened. But I don't think we should break up. I don't think I can live without you because it's very hard for me to think and process things when I'm mad at you. <laughs> I'm going, that's that's an interesting reason to be with someone. And I'm going, you know, that that works. And Magnus, on the other hand, is this, this stuttering little person. I'm going, it's so funny to see Magnus stutter because I'm like, only Alec can make Agnes lose it, Magnus lose it to this point. And like, yeah, they should be together. But anyway, so they are back together at the end of season two. Now we go to season three. I think it's in season three where the sword is set off. But anyway, the sword is set off. Um, Jace is inhabited by a demon. It, it's a disaster. Magnus decides to give up his magic in order to release the Lilith's hold on Jace. And um, then he gets his magic back through the hope of another warlock because he's no longer the high warlock. It was given to this schmuck. I mean, no offense. I'm like, he really is a schmuck. Uh, there's no redeeming quality about that guy. I'm like, you have had hundreds of years to develop yourself into a, a nice warlocky person, and you have just become a schmuck. But, you know, we all have problems, things we have to work on. I'm like, yeah, given they're immortal, he has a lot of years to work on that. But at the end of the day, um, Magnus gives up his apartment 
to the warlock for his magic. Sorry, I had to get a drink. And then he moves in with Alec at the um, academy, I guess you'd say, the institute, which causes trouble. So Alec decides to talk to Magnus and says, you know, I think we should both, you should move into an apartment because that way people at the institute do not think badly because I'm the head of the institute right now. But he says, when you move, I want to move in with you if you're okay with it, which is kind of funny because in the previous season, there was a bit of time where Alec wanted to move in with Magnus. He's like, you know, I spend almost every night here. If I move my stuff here, it'll just be easier. And that way I'm not trying to borrow your shirts because my shirts are dirty. And Alec and Magnus is like, you know, it's a good plan, but we should do it later because we've only been dating for like a couple of months. And then Alec runs across this box that has all these paraphernalia of possessions from people. And what he finds out is that these are all possessions, one each, for all the people that Magnus really cared about and was in a long-standing relationship with. Now, Magnus was never married to anyone before he meets Alec, which when you think about it, I'm kind of with Alec on that down, like 400 and some odd years and nobody ever married Magnus. I'm like, Magnus is a really cool person or warlock. Why would somebody not marry him? But anyway, so, but Magnus had been in several unsanitary relationships that ended usually with death, although he did have one in Peru that ended with a breakup, you know, at least one. But um, I think his last relationship before Alec was with a woman named Ethel who passed away. And then before that, it was with someone named George from the Civil War era who also passed away. So anyway, and I totally get they could not have married back in that time for George, but I'm just going, well, they could have stayed together. I don't know how that all went. But anyway, so um, Agnes, when Alec finds this box, he's like, you know, am I just going to be put in a box when you're done? Because you're immortal, I'm not, you know, are you just going to forget about me and just stick my arrowhood in boxes? Like, you know, it, it doesn't work like that. I'm immortal. I can't help the fact that I live forever. I can help the fact that you don't. You knew this when we started dating. And he's like, yeah, I did, but I didn't realize how it would affect me later on. So anyway, they have this little conflab during that time with that disagreement about moving in, not moving in, et cetera. But they do work that out. But at the end of the day, Alex, like, you know, I think if you're okay with it, once you find an apartment, I'd like to move into. And Magnus is like, sure, as long as I get my walk-in closet. <laughs> so, but Magnus falls ill and almost dies because the magic did not take when he had the magic transfusion. So he loses his magic again. In the final part of Shadow Hunters, from what I understand, Alec makes a deal with Asmodeus, Magnus's dad, that he will give up being with Magnus in order for Magnus to have his magic back. Because Alec was getting ready to propose to Magnus. He had a beautiful romantic dinner on a balcony with wonderful food. Magnus showed up drunk and totally sonkered and basically said that he was now in a position that, that Alec had always wanted him, where he would be mortal and die around the same time Alec would, and he wasn't in his magic anymore and all that. And when, when Alec saw this, he was like, you know, I think the thing with Alec is 
I remember being a kid and having the same problem with, with my mom, to be honest, because my mom fought serious depression when I was a kid. No offense to my mom at all. It's not her fault. I'm not blaming her for that. But sometimes she would say things. And I would think that as a kid, it was my fault that she was depressed. It was my fault that her life choices hadn't maybe turned out as positive as she had wanted them to be. And I sit there and was like, you know, if if I hadn't been around, if if I wasn't around now, maybe those life choices would be better. Maybe things would be happier for her. And the thing with Alec is I think he has the same situation except in a romantic relationship as I had as a kid in a parental relationship where he's sitting there going, Magnus is unhappy. The only way that I can change this unhappiness is to maybe eradicate myself from the situation and give him a chance to be happy. And he's already had a lot of other people before me. I'm sure he could find someone again. And even if this breaks his heart, I'm only one lifetime. He'll he'll recover. But I think there's there's a very interesting segue here because when when Magnus and Alec break up, it's not it's like Isabel says, she's like, you know, Magnus may recover. Yes, he's 400 some years old. Yes, he's broken up with people. He's lost people. But she looks at Alec and she's like, do you think you can recover? Because Nephilim really only love once is one of the traits of them. And she's like, you know, you, you have to consider yourself too, Alec. And Alex is like, well, he doesn't answer the question because it's like, for... Alec, I don't think there's anyone but Magnus. And it's not because Alec's gay or Magnus is bisexual. It has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. It has everything to do with the fact that Magnus is Alec's person. And Alec is, for that period in history, Magnus's person. It's like there's a scene where Magnus tries to throw his memories into oblivion of Alex because he's like, if I can get rid of the memories, maybe it won't hurt so bad. And he ends up calling one of the silent brothers to help him do this. And the silent brother is like, you have the power to throw your memories into oblivion. You don't need me for that. The reason that you cannot throw your memories into oblivion is because you know in your heart that even though things look terribly sad, terribly bleak between you and Alec, that would be wrong. It would be wrong to take away the pain because it would also take away the joy that that has brought you. And it's in the middle of all this that Alec's mother finds out that Alec broke up with Magnus. And I have to say, I do not like Maris Lightwood. She's annoying to me. She is not a good mom to her children. She really has to pull a rabbit out of her hat after they are all about adults because she kind of failed utterly. I mean, no offense, she just really did. And when Magnus and Alec first get together, she is a despicable human being, especially Magnus. I'm like, oh man, she really is terrible. But the thing that she does have a lot of personal growth. And when she finds out that Alec broke up with Magnus, she's like, why on earth did you break up with Magnus? She's like, Magnus makes you so much more of who you are. And, and Alec is like, because it's the only way he will be whole again. And here's the ring because I'm not going to be proposing to Magnus. And there's a scene before this where Maris went to Malik, or Magnus and Alec's apartment, or to Magnus's apartment where Alec was to for dinner. And on the way out, she tells Magnus, she's like, you know, I know that I treated you really bad when we 
first started out with Alec. But she said, seeing you with Alec and helping him to feel so much comfortable, so much more comfortable about who he is as a person and to really develop into such a better version of himself when he's with you, it's everything I could have wanted in a partner for my for my son. So I want to thank you for what you've done. And I'm going, at the end of the day, I really think that Maris's speech is what every parent should say to their in-law child, as it were, or in-law boyfriend or girlfriend, as it were, because I'm going, I'm not a mom yet, but when I am a mom, like I've had people there who said, like, what would you do if your child becomes gay or bi or trans? And I'm going, I would love them because they're my child. And it really makes no difference to me what they are that way. What matters to me is I'm going, the only thing that would really trip me off would be if I knew my child was with someone who they really didn't care about and they really didn't love and they just were with them because it was easy or convenient. I'm going, that is not the reason that you're with people. You're with people because you truly care about them and because you love them to the moon and back. And if you have that, I'm like, you really have everything and can deal with anything the world throws at you. So I'm like, Maris Lightwood's speech, I'm like, that was awesome. But anyway, at the end of the day, Maris goes and talks to Magnus. And she's like, you have your magic back. You're whole again. He's like, but you're saying that I'm not whole without my magic? And she says, no, what I'm saying is that Alec was going to propose to you. And he brought me back the ring. And when exactly did you get your magic back? And then he realizes that his dad is the one who made Alec decide to break up with Magnus. At that point, he sends his dad into a spiral for foreverness because he's like, you know what? You can mess with me, but you are not going to be messing with Alec and you're not going to be messing with anyone else because you are knocked out and going through a, a spiral. I forgot what they call those. But anyway, he then goes and saves Alec, um, saves Isabel, closes a rift between Edom and earth or alicante i don't remember which but anyway and then he is stuck in edom alec has to go save him and then they end up getting married they actually get married when he opens the or closes the rift between heaven or edom and alicante but that i have not watched it but overall i know that was a very long podcast on magnus and alec but i just want to say it's like i was i went to I sometimes use heypie.com and I was like, hey pie, can you give me any other examples of movies with couples like Magnus and Alec? Because I'm going, they really are one of the best balanced couples I have ever seen in any show. I'm like, I'm trying to think of other shows that have such balance within a couple. And I'm like, it's really hard for me to think about because I'm going, I really haven't seen very many shows like that. But according to Pi, they're like, you should try Parks and Rec because the two lead romantic characters in that have a very balanced relationship and do not think of each other as lesser or better than one another. I'm like, wow, that's nice. I will try Parks and Rec. So anyway, overall, I do not really highly recommend the Shadowhunter series. But I do highly recommend the Magnus and Alec 
storyline in that series. So I will drop in the description a link to someone came up with basically taking all the Magnus and Alec clips from the entire three seasons, 3A and 3B as well, and put them together into two playlists, which are about two hours long. I highly recommend checking that out. I'm also going to be watching the Mortal Instruments City of Bones movie that came out back in like, I think, 2013. I'm not sure. I think Jeffrey Gao plays Magnus in that. I'm kind of curious to see his rendition of Magnus Bane and also the person who played Alec Lightwood. I'm thinking it's not going to be as impressive as the Matthew Daddario and Harry Shim Jr. version of Shadow Hunters by Freeform, but you can definitely check it out. Also, if you have not read the books, I highly, highly recommend the books. Now, I will say the books get slightly romantic, but they're not like, I don't mean word. I don't really read BL drama uh, mangas because I do not like overly sexualized text, as it were. So I'm like, I'm not into that. I'm more into like people that have strong relationships and go out to battle together. I'm like, that, that is romantic or have those nice cups of coffee. But anyway, but I will say that even though there are some romantical scenes in the books, I really like the books because they're not overly so and they don't get like graphically what I would consider inappropriate. I would be fine reading them to most children, although I will say there might be a couple of scenes I would just skip because I'm like, they're not terribly, terribly that way, but maybe we can just skip that part. But you can buy the books on Amazon. I got the audible version of the Magnus Bane Chronicles. They're broken up to like half hour to hour long increments, and they're really, really nice length. If you haven't checked those out, I definitely would. The books are just, actually, I like the books much better than the movie in the storyline, but I really like the portrayal of Magnus and Alec both in the Freeform episodes. Again, I really could care less about Clary and Jace. I liked Isabel, and I also liked the um, the werewolf, the guy played by um, Isaiah Mustafa, I think. Great character. But um, I highly recommend it. I just don't like the broken, destroying family thing that's going on in the series that's so blatant and so, I mean, I'm not blaming like Hillary for killing her dad or for killing her brother. But what I am saying is I'm going, that's not really something I like the promotion of, if that makes sense. I'm like, I know what happens. I know that in some ways it was maybe not something that could be avoided, but it's just kind of, a little much in my opinion so I did not like that part of it but I really really liked um, Magnus and Alec I do hope that maybe they come out with another series where they do the Red Scrolls of Magic um, at least the Book of the White with Magnus and Alec because I think that would be really funny once they because in the books Magnus and Alec actually adopt two children. One is a warlock child that was abandoned. The other is a shadow hunter child that was orphaned. And they actually adopt their children before they are married, which I find kind of delightful in a, a weird way. The reason is, is I'm, I totally get that maybe Magnus and Alec could have gotten married earlier, but the reason that they didn't was in the books, 
Magnus didn't want to get married to Alec until it would be considered socially acceptable and in a way that wouldn't embarrass him or his family. So that is why I think Magnus and Alec lived together for, I think, three years in the Book of the White, at least. And I think they had dated and lived together a combination of that for eight years before they get married. Because I think Alec's about 28 when they get married. And he started um, dating Magnus when he's about 20, 21, if I remember right from the books. But the thing I find interesting is with the adoption of Max, and I forgot the other kid's name in the, I think Raphael. But anyway, with the adoption of Max and Raphael, I'm not sure. But anyway, I think it's interesting that they adopt before they're even married because it's like, I think one of the reasons that I'm still single and may continue to be single my whole life, I don't know, is I probably won't have bio kids and that doesn't bug me at all. I mean, no offense. It's like, I don't really have this great maternal desire for children. Now I'm not saying that I won't have children because I plan to adopt two to three children in the next few years, but I was actually talking to a couple of women, one from Taiwan and one from Japan recently, who are about my age and maybe five years older than me. And they're in the same boat, strange enough, although the one is still single, the other is married. But she's like, you know, the one is not going to have any kids, but the other is like, I plan on having kids, but she said there are so many things that can go wrong with a pregnancy. She says, you can lose the baby, you can lose your health. There are so many risks, even in today's day and age. She's like, I fully plan on having kids, but I don't plan on having bio kids. I'm like, you know, it's been kind of interesting to meet a few other women that have the same viewpoint. Because like the, the other thing I talked to, she's going, you know, it's not that she's against kids. She says, I like children. But she said, having biological children comes with a lot of risks, even in today's modern society. She says, and I don't have this like great urgent desire to bear my own child. She said, it's not that I think there's anything wrong with that, but she's honestly, it just seems like a very foreign idea to me that anyone would have this burning desire to produce their own offspring that way. And I'm going, you know, I remember being in high school, and it's not that I've always thought I wouldn't have children biologically, but I'm going, it's never been at the top of my list because I've always known that I would probably adopt my own kids. I'm like, you know, there are just so many things that could go wrong with bio kids, and also there are some things in my genetic past with my parents and grandparents. I'm like, I'm really not sure I want to deal with any health risks that could be genetic that could be passed on from my side of the family, let alone from my special person side of the family. And so I'm like, you know, but I think that's one reason, like I have dated a few times as people on this podcast will have checked out my other podcasts on dating and why I don't really like online dating. But the thing I find interesting is, and it could just be because I will admit the people that I've dated have been older than me, but I've usually had to break off the dating thing within like one to three dates. And the reason is, is they're all like, well, we know you don't want to have bio children, but we do. So can you reconsider this? I'm going, did you not read my bio? I don't really want to have this conversation. It's not that it's a closed door, but this is not something you bring up on a first or even third date to try to change my opinion when it is something that I have a very good reason for, genetically speaking. And 
I really don't want to have this discussion right now. I'd rather just sit and talk about, you know, sci-fi or peaceful things than those kind of things. And if this is really how you felt, then why did you even message me on my profile? But anyway, <laughs> I think that's one reason why I personally am single. I'm like, I really don't care if I have bio kids or if I don't. And I really do care that I have adopted children here in the next few years. And I'm like, if that means that someone doesn't want to date me because they A, want bio kids, or B, feel that adopted children are somehow less children than bio kids, I'm going, I really don't want to have that person in my life. And it's not because I'm judging them, but I'm going, I also don't want them judging me for my life choices. Because I'm like, if I'm in a relationship with someone, I want to like them as they are. And I want them to like me as I am. It doesn't mean that we will change and morph and become better people because we are in each other's lives. It simply means that we will become better people, but we will accept each other as we are, which is how we will become better people. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a relationship coach. And I have not had that many successful attempts at relationships. I'm going, in theory, I think that makes a lot more sense than going at a relationship knowing that you have disagreements from the outset that could come into these very big disagreements as you progress. But with going back to Magnus and Alec, the thing that I find interesting with them adopting children before they're even married is they know they're going to be together. Now, they also know that there are some problems with the Nephilim and the downworlders. That means they cannot get married at that point in time. But they also know that these two children need a home and that they want to have these children in their home. And I love that they don't really sit there and have this deep and probing discussion about, well, we have the children. Do we need to get married? And they're like, no, we have the children. We are together. We've been together for three years. We're going to stay together. We may not be legally married, but we will be eventually, and it will be okay. And these kids are just as much ours as if we were legally married. Now, I totally get there are some people that believe that we have to have the legal ramifications of marriage. Now, I am not sure where I personally stand on that. When I was younger, I was like, you know, I really don't think we need a government saying whether we are with someone or not, because really that piece of paper doesn't prove a lot, except maybe to protect our biological children that we would have with that person. But since that's not really a consideration for me, I'm like, I'm really not sure that would be a huge criteria for me. Although I will say I'm not one of those people who wants to go and just live with someone on a whim or on a short period of knowing them. That's not my jam, as it were. So, and it's not to get people who that is their jam, it's just that's not me. But I'm like, I've known many people who are in very committed relationships, and for whatever reason, they decided not to get married. Now, I don't think that's always necessarily a good thing, and I also don't think that's always necessarily a bad thing. I think it's one of those things that everyone has to decide for themselves and has to kind of figure out what works for them. Now, I will say a lot of people I know who get married tend to get married for the fact that they can file taxes jointly, which I personally would never do because I found out that if I file taxes jointly, even though our overall combined taxes go down, I would be taxed at a higher rate as a married woman than I will be taxed as a single woman, which ticks me off to no end. So I'm like, I would not file my taxes jointly, even if I was married. So that would not be a reason for me to get married. So I'm like, you know, 
I don't know what would be the reason for me to get married. I remember I was watching a very funny Vietnamese um, video on a Vietnamese woman who has moved to Germany and she's getting married. And she's like, when a Vietnamese person wants to get married, they say, let's get married because we love each other. And when a German wants to get married, they say, will you marry me for tax purposes? <laughs> and I'm going, you know, that's kind of funny. I'm not sure it's entirely true, but I'm going, I know a lot of people who kind of get married for the tax purposes, but if they knew that they have to file jointly to save money, but the woman doesn't, I'm going, I'm not sure it's really that practical in the long run. But overall, that is my ramble on Magnus Bain and Alec Lightwood and why I like them, although I do not really like the rest of Shadowhunters. I will drop links in the descriptions for part one and two. I will also drop links in the description for my playlist of Magnus Bain and Alec Lightwood MV videos, which I have found and been listening to a lot lately because I like to listen to it when I make the notes. Check it at the round table. Bye.